and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the amazingly nerdy things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, S.M. Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. So, it is Elul. It is the month of Elul. Does that have a translation in, in English? The last uh, month of the Jewish the calendar. Month. Yes. yes. Depending, on, depending on how you count. I was about to say which calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Being the month of El means that uh, very soon we are getting into the new year and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot or Sukkot, if you are like me and pronounce it that way. Um, and so, yeah, so to, to start off the new year kind of with a, or to, to lead into the new year, um, we have a pretty cool topic. Uh, I don't want to give it away just yet because I, 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 I'm fond of this subject, so I'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. Uh, but in the meantime, before, we're going to talk about our obsessions. So, which of you ladies would like to go first? Tamar. So my obsession is Marvel Rising Initiation, which is like the first six little episodes of the new Disney Channel series, Marvel Rising. I think the subtitle is Secret Warriors. And so initiate, initiative, sorry. Is it initiative or is it initiation? I have Google open right now, and they're both in, um, like, headlines of articles. Like, CNET has Marvel Rising Initiation, and Sci-Fi Wire has Marvel Rising Initiative. And I'm not quite sure which Sa- it is. I think Sci-Fi's it's initiation. Wrong. Yeah, I've been getting the press emails on this. It's initiation. Uh, I, I think that just means that okay. we correct. So- Okay, so it's it is. I'm looking at Marvel Rising's Twitter right now, and it's initiation. So Marvel Rising initiation is like the prequel for this Disney Channel series that's coming up, and it was a lot of fun. It has pretty much the entire cast except one character, which is Spider Gwen, is diverse. Or um, so there's like uh, three of them are people of color. One of them uh, is, is like non. You know, super thick, skinny superhero, and and like a lot of people I saw were really excited about that. Um, so that's just like, like in the first like six and episodes. Khan, right? Well, I said people of color, but like yes, yeah. there's. I just didn't remember one of their one of their names, so I didn't want to say them all. But there's yeah. Kamala, Miss Marvel, and there's Patriot, who is trained by Captain America, and he's a, a black man. And then there's Squirrel Girl, who she is not a skinny little mini, and she's very happy eating goods. And then there's the last one, whose name I don't remember right Daisy. now. Hold on one second. Oh, it's Daisy. Yeah. Um, oh, so, I think Quake. 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 Oh, it's Quake. Yeah. <laughs> she's from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. She's the only one that most people are going to know. <laughs> oh, I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah, so then there's Quake, um, and she is Asian. And then you have Gwen Stacy, who uh, is Ghost Spider, and she's, like, pretty typical skinny blonde high schooler. Uh, but it was – I watched the first six episodes, and they're all, like, under four minutes each. And because I've mentioned here before that I watch things on double time, it was even shorter than that. So this took <laughs> me, like, maybe a half hour to watch, and it was great. Uh, I really liked it. I think that the characters, you know, not everyone was obviously like super fleshed out, but this is essentially a kid's show. Um, I don't actually know if they're like marketing it towards kids, but like it seemed fun to me. Um, and I think it's kind of maybe the first animated series I've watched in a while where I was like, oh, this is like kind of cool. Like they're dealing with issues in the police system. They're dealing with issues like in S.H.I.E.L.D., like 
it, it seemed really fun. Um, it gets really dark really quickly on because you find out something really dramatic happens. Like it kind of, obviously like I, I can't gauge it yet, but it reminded me kind of of avatar levels, like of seriousness where like, it's still a kid show, but like people die and like bad things happen and heroes don't always work. And stuff. I mean, these first six episodes, like there was a cliffhanger because it's supposed to be leading into the show, into the rest of the series. But uh, I think it was interesting. these five characters who we met. It was good at introducing like a handful of side characters, and these were really short shorts. So like the fact that I came away, you know, going, oh, I kind of want to watch this. And I don't animated TV. Like I hate it. I don't like cartoons very much. So. The fact that they were able to, like, draw me in really quickly, I was, like, feeling for Gwen Stacy, who I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer, but she's accused of killing somebody. So Spider-Gwen's on the run, except she's not called Spider-Gwen anymore. She's called Ghost Spider. I really want her hoodie. Like, it's a really cool hoodie. Yes. Um, yes, I really want her hoodie. Um, sorry, SM, I didn't actually like Kamala's character. I like Squirrel Girl a lot more, and I liked uh, Quake slash Daisy. Uh, pretty much I liked everybody other than Kamala. Um, she mm, kept that's sounded, disappointing. I mean, I just might not like the, her characterization in this short thing. Hopefully, I'll like yeah. in the future. Yeah, but she no, kept like she kept coming off as kind of like a like a know it all, and like her team up with Squirrel Girl was cute, but it felt a little forced. But again, it's like really short, so I'm hopeful that like I probably won't hate her when the rest of the show happens if I decide to watch it. Um, other than her, like I really felt like all the other characters were really you know, positively done, but also that just might be her character and I might just not like her characterization. I don't, haven't read her comics, but I really, like, she was really cool when she had her, like, when she started using her powers, I was like, oh, I don't think I even knew what her powers were. I knew what everybody else's power is. I'm big in. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so that was, like, kind of fun to find out. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I really like it, and if you haven't watched Marvel Rising Initiation, watch it. It's really short. Like, just just watch it if you're interested remotely. It's really short. You can watch it in one sitting. If you can't watch it in one sitting, like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> no, I, I, I really, um, I enjoyed it too, actually. I enjoyed it a lot more than kind of, I mean, no, I, I had, I had decently high hopes for it, but, um, yeah, like you said, Tamara, it is, you know, animated and, and like, you never kind of know, um, with a show that's sort of aimed at a younger audience, um, how they're going to kind of communicate both the the mature things and like the kid like things, and I thought they had a really cool balance. Um, I kind of agree. I, I feel like actually Daisy and Kamala got a little bit of the short shrift. Like they didn't like their personalities didn't come across as much, but like very short shorts, and they they both obviously I know Daisy from from Shield, although she's very different because like. Shield is still around <laughs> in the show, and like Daisy is like an agent of Shield, like the organization, and has responsibilities, and is like kind of like the grown up, which is funny because she's distinctly not the grown up in Agents of Shield. Um, but yeah, I think Kamala is a lot of fun. Um, or like, there's there's a lot of potential there for sure, and uh, I liked. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I also I think like you tomorrow was kind of like oh, Spider Gwen is like. Or Ghost Spider, like, everything that you kind of expect to see in, like, a, a teen superhero heroine. But she's just presented, like, as really down-to-earth, and I, I liked her quite a lot. 
Yeah, I think I, I mean, the point is that like you are supposed to like her, like she's the protagonist of this whole thing. And I thought like they did it really well. Um, I kind of wish we had spent a little more time with the other characters, but that's not the point of this. So like, that's fine-ish. I don't know. I guess I'm hopeful to see what they're going to do with the show. Yeah, that's, that's it. I'm hopeful to see what they're going to do with the show. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's got a lot of potential for sure. Um, and there is a, a, a doll line, so if... Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. Yeah. But I'm kind of, like, I know the show, you know, you look at the poster and it's mostly women on it. I think, I think there's only, like, one guy. Um, but it seems like Captain Marvel is the center point, and I'm just trying to figure out, obviously we haven't seen the Captain Marvel movie yet, but at what point of, like, the Marvel timeline is this show related to? Yeah, that I don't, I don't know, because the, the animated shows kind of have their own timeline. Like, they, there are a ton of them. And, um, yeah, they, there's a lot of stuff yeah, they exist outside of time. Right. But I assume this one is related to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., no? Not really. It's, it's oh, okay. the same it's character, but it's, she's in a very different point in her life. Mm, okay. Probably a healthier point in her life, to be honest. Because <laughs> Daisy's a mess. Um, anyway, SM, what is your obsession? Uh, what is not my obsession? <laughs> <laughs> Truer words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I think if we go with um, the Ologies podcast, um, because... I feel like this, you know, it kind of encapsulates my issue of um, that I I am a dabbler and I just like dabble in so many different things. I don't really specialize in any one thing. Um, and so this podcast gives me like an opportunity to listen to really fun interviews with um, various different ologists who are specialists in, you know, their field and super expert and really knowledgeable and the host generally knows very little about the particular topic because it is very specialized it'll be like um she's got episodes on primatology on volcanology which is volcanoes um she's got um she did and they did cosmology but also cosmetology so makeup and the universe so like everything um and um, and she doesn't necessarily know that much about each topic, but she, uh, her motto, uh, the motto of the show is ask smart people, dumb questions. Um, and her questions aren't really that dumb. They are just, you know, a person who, you know, is genuinely curious and wants to understand and is asking the questions that you might be too embarrassed to ask yourself. Um, and she is just very fun. And like the interviews are taped. Um, and then she, um, while, while you're listening to the interview, she'll like intercut some of her own commentary. She'll be like, so this thing, I didn't know what we were talking about exactly then. So like I went back and I Googled it and this is what I found out, you know, and then I fell down a rabbit hole and I watched a million YouTube videos about it. Blah, 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 blah. So it's very um, conversational and very easy to follow. Um, and it just, I learned something, you know, very interesting and very new about, you know, every episode, you know, there's tons and tons of new information, um, but it's all presented in a very easy to digest way. And it's just really, the guests are just very, very engaging and very obviously because they specialized in this and they like to have devoted their lives to it. They're like, 
very passionate about their fields and that just, you know, is infectious, you know, and you gain an appreciation from listening to them and just a better sense of how wide the world is and how um, interesting all the different minutiae are, even if like you're like me, who is probably never going to go to grad school because I can't think of a single thing that I interested in enough to specialize in for another few years. Um, so I just, I really enjoy it. And I've been like recommending it to pretty much everybody. Awesome. And yeah, I'm gonna go with that for my obsession. I've heard good things about ologies, and like I'm always very hesitant to like get into a new podcast because I'm like, because you guys know me, I, I don't, I don't really go into things like part way or casually. Um, but yeah, that sounds really interesting, and I am downloading episode one right now because um, it's about volcanoes. I recommend, yeah, yeah. That one thing I learned that I remember from that episode is that um, the volcanologists are they have to do the investigations at the tops of the volcanoes, you know, themselves because they can't do it remotely by drone or by robot because the radiation, the heat is too much for the robots. So they like can basically like go and gather information in like 15 minute increments, but that's basically all they can handle. And so the scientists themselves have to be like out there and take the risk and like understand that, you know, they could die, but they're doing it for science. So just like podcasting. So I'm going to do a little bit of a weird obsession, um, but it's kind of true. Um, I'm a little obsessed with the Mall of America. (laughs) Um, Last week, I actually went to um, Minneapolis with uh, my mom and my brother, and we we, uh, went to see a Twins game, and we had some time, so we went to the Mall of America after we had seen the Mary Tyler Moore statue and the Bob Dylan uh, mural. Um, which my mother and brother were very excited to see, respectively. Um, And I was kind of like, all right, I I support you and your interests. And maybe it's just been a while since I've really gone to a mall. Um, But, like, I remember reading about the Mall of America in, um, like, the Karen Brewer slash Babysitter's Club, like, crossover books where there would be a million chapters from different characters. And they, like, I think they went cross-country in that book and... This is like dredging up memories from my childhood of like hearing about this amazing mall. And I was like, well, I'm never going to go to Minneapolis, so whatever. Um, and it's, it's just, it's awesome. Like, it's just a really cool place. Like, they have so many stores. Um, they have a box lunch store, and box lunch is a, is a really cool, it's like a slightly more adult hot topic like grown-up hot topic so it's like slightly classier and you don't quite feel like you're shopping in the inside of your teenage brain um so um and I got I got a Mulan shirt there that was nice and um they had uh my family really likes to do escape rooms and they had like genuinely one of the greatest escape rooms I've ever done uh in the mall and I was like I did not expect that at all and they have like a maze made out of mirrors that I figured out how to get through because you could just look at the floor and see if there was yeah anyway um I had a really great time at the Mall of America there is no kosher food there sadly even though the people who own it um or who own the company who owns it are Jewish actually um but there there's going to be like there's going to be a vegan kosher uh burger like a veggie burger place or something that's coming soon so if you are ever in Minneapolis it's really close to the airport and I just had a ton of fun. There was, like, a store that, like, 
sold alpaca stuff. I, I don't know why, but there was. And like, because like, capitalism. Yeah. And like, you know, min, and some like great Minnesota, you know, stores where they're like, you know, the state of nice. And like, they sell all the kitschy things and um, stuff about, about mooses and or mo- moose, plural. I don't know. Moose and. Moose, like oxen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if, if you're ever in the area, I really do recommend going. Um, there's also some, some really nice kosher restaurants in the Minneapolis area, um, kind of spread apart, but um, it's all very flat because it is, after all, the middle of the country. So, in addition to being very close to Canada. So, and maybe we should all be spending more time close to Canada. And you could cut that out tomorrow. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I'm half Canadian, so I'm, I prove. You're, you're good. You're good. You don't know, you guys don't know how, like, one of the scenes in season two of The Handmaid's Tales, like, has haunted me since I saw it. And it's, like, people trying to get out and one spouse is a Canadian citizen so they can go through and the other can't because she's American. And anyway, my heart. But that is my obsession. Um, it's, it's maybe a little bit of a throwback, but um, I went on roller coasters. I went on an Avatar The Last Airbender roller coaster, which was terrifying. And, uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Did they blast you with fire and lightning? They didn't. It was... <laughs> it was uh, That's disappointing. I know. No. <laughs> so, apparently, I think <laughs> it used to be, like, Snoopy Land, and I think that they kept all the rides. They just changed it over to Nickelodeon Land. So... I was like, well, I have to go on the Avatar The Last Airbender ride. Like, no matter how scary it looks, I have to go on. And I didn't think it looked that scary. It was basically like a a pirate ship type of ride, you know, that you swing back and forth. Except that Mm -hmm. it was like a skateboard. And on each end of the skateboard was like a, a, a set of seats that were in a circle and that spun around with the momentum. So as you were going up really fast and down really fast, you were also spinning around. And like... I got through, like, two of them, and I was like, oh, this is not fun. I am not enjoying this, and I'm really glad I took my glasses off. So, uh, yeah, but I was also glad that I went on the Avatar The Last Airbender ride, because when do you get to do that, right? Like, As for our main topic uh, for this episode, we wanted to discuss characters who inspire us as we're going into, you know, the Yomim No Ra'im, the, the high holidays. Um, I always, you know... It's really important, obviously, to take inspiration from Judaic sources, but I think part of what we also like to do is is look around at pop culture and see, you know, are there characters, are there actors, um, artists who inspire us, you know, to be to be better and to be, you know, to go into the to go into the holidays with a little bit more juice. So, SM, do you want to start? Well, I was thinking about this before. And I was, like, realizing that, like, pretty much all of the people that come to mind when I think of characters, you know, who inspire me are, like, the same person. They are all just, like, super badass, hyper-competent women (laughs) who (laughs) are just, you know, awesome. So I feel like I I don't know that I have that much interesting to say about them individually, but, um... One of my favorite characters um, is uh, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine. I feel like I probably talked about her in a previous episode, but um, I always just really 
appreciated all of the different dimensions that the writers gave to her character and the actress really brings her to life um very very vividly and she just there are so many different forces at work in her personality that are um you know sometimes they're in conflict but she manages to you know try and she has like this she has a very very strong sense of of justice and right and wrong but also she grew up on a planet that was um occupied and she served as a terrorist freedom fighter um in order to um overthrow the Cardassian government um and set her planet free and she it sometimes it goes into sometimes in her past that you know she did things that she you know, now has to live with. And she just, they do a good job of integrating that into her character and making it feel like this is, you know, part of what makes her who she is. Um, that, you know, the fact that she did terrible things um, in the past, um, and, but she did them, you know, for what she felt was necessary reasons, um, but she still doesn't feel like that lets her off the hook. Um, and I... I appreciate that kind of nuance in characters because uh, like we've talked about before about like redemption arcs and how, you know, like it, it seems that people are very eager to forgive characters and to, you know, let them off the hook and just be like, Oh, you did one good thing. Now everything is fine now. Um, and it's her character to me feels like, you know, it's not necessarily like that for her. Like me as a viewer, I can be like, whatever, you did this thing, you're awesome now. But, like, for her, she's like, no, this is, you know, this is a deep regret that I have. And, it, you know, it's still something that I struggle with and balance. So I, well, someone who inspires me is a Katerin from the Against Saga, which we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast, but I just really like it, and I'm in the middle of a reread. And I, I think she's inspiring. I mean, cause sometimes I can't stand her and sometimes I'm like, you're so wishy-washy, but I think that's inspiring her own because she's not like the typical, you know, super empowered heroine. Like a lot of what she struggles with are like very daily, everyday struggles. They're like, how do I pay for my, my child's like medical treatment? How do I deal with my jerk of a husband? How do I, you know, date? Like, how do I deal with like very normal regular things which when you're dealing with like a sci-fi series and because I read so much fantasy and like I read so many romance novels like most of the most of the like the people who I interact with in fiction I feel like aren't very real and like their problems are you know in I feel like especially in film and tv like either it has to be like super happy-go-lucky like easy quick fix or like a crazy sci-fi fix or it has to be like super dramatic I feel like Katrin is like just a person who's who's just her way of living is always, you know, doing what she thinks is right for her and her child and, you know, just doing like going forward through life. And, and that's just something that I think is inspiring. Cause like, it's just not, it's not like the other people and the other women you encounter in the book, they're all kind of larger than life characters. And then like the main character, he's surrounded by all these larger than life women. And he ends up falling for someone who, you know, she's kind of quiet. Like she's not used to like dealing with like, the emperor of the planet or like 
a lot of like royalty from around the universe or like mercenaries who are really cool. And she's just like a normal (laughs) person. And I think like there's something really nice and inspiring about that. Like for personally on like a writer's level, it's just like, I don't even write fiction, but like just the fact that like, um, the author, uh, Louis McMaster Bujold, like could write such a normal person after like all these crazy grand boys, like grand characters. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, so yeah, I think the cat is just kind of inspiring for her, like her normalness. Yeah. I really like that in the novel that she's introduced, um, like, um, half of the novel is told from her point of view and half of it is told from Miles's point of view. And I found that her point of view, you know, was really well developed and really solid. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting because characters like that also kind of, um, you know, speak, speak to me. Um, I've a lot of female characters that I could talk about, but I'm going to talk about, I think something I haven't mentioned before on the podcast um, um, Kel from Protector of the Small, uh, by, um, what's her name? You know, greatest, one of the greatest fantasy authors ever, Tamora Pierce. Um, she is, <laughs> she is, um, the first, like a really interesting, she comes into the story in a really interesting position. She is the first, uh, girl to be allowed into the, like the training, like after, so there's the Alana series, and Alana is kind of the classic like girl pretending to be a boy. Nobody knows who she is; it's her secret, and then she has to prove herself, and blah blah blah. So after they change the law that you know girls can train as knights, um, Kel is the first one to do that, and I always found her like really like incredibly down to earth. Um, somebody with you know obviously a lot to prove, but at the same time kind of nothing to prove. You know she she deliberately like sometimes she wears you know trousers sometimes she wears dresses you know she loves you know she's called the protector of the small because she takes care of of animals you know and and you know she struggles you know with with certain areas of her strength you know and then other times like it at certain other things she's you know ahead of the boys and I always found her just a really accessible um, character because it, because I'm, I'm like a girly girl (laughs) and it was always really hard for me to be like, you know, like even Eowyn, you know, who's totally awesome. Um, but you know, that kind of like, that kind of like deliberate, like I want to be a warrior princess type of thing was always a little bit difficult for me. Like it's really cool, but it's not something I could relate to. So this, this idea of a girl who kind of just wants to pursue the things that she's good at, uh, and is is taking a chance and isn't gonna you know kind of compromise on any part of her identity. Um, I I've always really enjoyed and um, her series of books is uh, is I haven't reread them in a while but they're they're very sweet and they're very um, t- they touch on some some heavy subjects as Tamora Pierce usually does but um, yeah they're they're really really beautiful. Um, have any of you guys read the Protector of the small. No, I have been out for years. Yeah, so the, they were actually the first Tamora Pierce books I, I read. <laughs> so I read like completely out of order. But yeah, that was a fun introduction. And then, you know, I went to Alana and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty classic. You know, Alana's great. I know people who like adore Alana, but 
Um, she was never my personal favorite. This is because um, I've been uh, rewatching, binge rewatching Bones, um, and I just have to say that like um, Cam Saroyan, um I really I like her character, but also like she is my absolute style icon. Like every dress she wears is just perfectly tailored and super professional, but colorful and patterned and just, you know, cut perfectly. And it's just like, everything is just beautiful. Um, and yeah, so every time she walks on screen, I'm just like, Oh my God, I need that dress. So five, so seven, seven, nine that counts as, dress that like counts as canceroy. <laughs> <laughs> my next inspiration, I guess I didn't really think about this until like a few seconds ago when you were talking about tomorrow Pierce was um, Mel from Crown Jewel, uh, Meliara for Sherwood Smith's Crown Jewel series. It, I like read it as a like fifth grade or sixth grade, and it's like one of my favorite books. I really like her world building in general. Um, but she's pretty much an idiot, and you know she's an idiot. Like you know that like this character just has a really good heart, and like she does what she's what she thinks is right to like save the people who live in like her father's count countship after he dies and they're just trying like to get rid of a really bad king and she's doing everything that's so terribly wrong for all the right reasons and like that's just like the plot of the book series is that she does everything wrong for the right reasons and eventually sometimes that leads to some right things um and i think that like as a as like a tween young teenager that was really important to me like to read about this very 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 flawed character from, and it was from her perspective, the book. So you're just kind of, um, like reading through her eyes and not really getting why something is so wrong. And then like, you get the lesson of it. And I think that's really just interesting. And like, by the end of it, you're just like, you're so dumb, but also like, Oh, like you really, you felt that way. And you felt that like you had to do these things. And I guess that was just something that inspired me when I was younger. Now, when I reread it, I'm always just like, Mel, you are dumb. Like you are stupid. You, <laughs> you are like, but like, that's the point is that she's literally a, like, um, like pretty much the point is that like, she's raised not really thinking about like her role in the world as like the daughter of aristocracy. Cause her father's been banished from court for like 20 years. So she like has to jump into like this life and she doesn't know what she's doing. So, like, the first book is about, like, her and her brother trying to lead a, re- a revolution against an evil tyrant. And the second book is her, like, dealing with life in court when she's literally, like, so poor in the first book that she didn't have a pair of shoes. So, but, like, she has her title. So it's, like, a very interesting story and narrative. And I think it's, like, a lot about, like, personal growth. And there's some really interesting insights, especially in the second book, about, like how people like change in lifetimes and how like you can forgive people and how you should forgive people. I don't know. I just think that it's really interesting to get, be narrated a story by someone who the reader can tell is so flawed and at the same time still root for her. So I still root for her even though I'm kind of like over the book now, but I'll probably reread it again soon. Oh yeah. You have to go back to those childhood classics. You have to like, when I say like that, I have to reread it again soon. I mean, I read it once a year, and I haven't done my yearly reading. Oh, oh that's so <laughs> sweet. Like, the copy I have is like ruined. I actually don't think it's in my current apartment, but I like brought it with me to seminary. Like, I, it's like my my like safety book. <laughs> like, oh, I actually know where it is. It must be in my parents. Oh. 
but it might be because on the last read I kind of got over it because I was just like, oh, this is kind of juvenile, but it's still so cute and there's such a good romance subplot and like I still like laugh at myself now. I'm like, how did you not notice that when you were younger? Like it's so obvious who the mystery guy is. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> how about you, Mia? So yeah, well, so so I I'm gonna give a character a tiny shout out. Um, uh, your character that you mentioned to Marmel reminds me kind of of Sansa Stark, um, but I'm not gonna go into Sansa Stark because if I start talking about Sansa, um, I will. You'll get mad. I'll get mad. I'll get sad. I'll cry. I'll laugh. I'll like regale theories to you guys. Um, we'll be here for hours, so um, that we'll have to wait for another time. But um, to break the mold just a teeny bit, uh, but in the in the vein of um, you know childhood classics, Neville Longbottom is like just I, you know I'm I'm rereading the Harry Potter books now and like to see this kid who you know for the first I guess like four books is mostly a joke you know like still very you know there's that moment in book one where he he stands up to Harry Ron and Hermione and like. There's no bravery quite like standing up to your friends, as Dumbledore says. Um, but it's, you know, he's still kind of, like, vaguely pathetic. He he loses things. Snape picks on him. You know, and, and just to watch his arc through the story to come from such adversity. Like, I'd forgotten that there was, um, you know, in, in book six, sorry, spoilers for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, but when they're they're picking their new subjects or their, their subjects that they're going to continue with, that they have their OWLs in, um, you know, he, Neville isn't, his grade wasn't good enough to get into Transfiguration. And, uh, you know, McGonagall's like, I'm really sorry, but it's, you're not going to be able to do it. And Neville's really, you know, upset about that. And she's like, why do you feel that way? Uh, it's not like you ever, like, you know, you loved Transfiguration. And he says, you know, well, my grandmother, uh, really wants me to, uh, to take transfiguration and she thinks that charms is a soft option and she doesn't, you know, um, and McGonagall says, you know, it's about time that your grandmother started appreciating the grandson she has, not the grandson she, uh, wishes that she had. And like to grow up under that kind of shadow with obviously, you know, we know what happens, happened to his parents and the things that this kid experienced and continues to experience at school. Because I think that, you know, Hogwarts, I'm sure it was great for Neville, but I don't think it was quite the refuge that it was for Harry. And so to have that difficulty and still come out like pure hearted and, you know, have things be really challenging and still face them and be brave, you know, it, it kind of is like a, a more realistic version of, of Harry's story. And I just, I mean, like, yeah, if, if I, if I'm struggling with something, I'm just going to have to think of Neville and, and be like, you know what, Neville, Neville could handle it because he, he, cause he would have to. So, you know, if Neville can do it, I can do it. So. Yeah. Neville's great. Uh, SM, do you have someone? Okay. Um, well, I'm going to go with, this is an easy one. Um, Susan Ivanova from, uh, Babylon five. I feel like I, I know Susan Ivanova, even though I've never seen Babylon five. She is very meme worthy. I feel like if she were on, you know, TV today, there would be so many gifts and so many memes. She is just very, very sarcastic. Um, and just like very straightforward in all business. And she just does not take anybody's bullshit. So, um, yeah, and she's just, you know, she's just really 
good at her job and she's just really fun. And she's also Jewish. Um, and there is one episode where um, her hometown rabbi comes to the space station. Who is He's played by Theodore Bikel. Um, and he calls the station a Neskadol. Um, uh. And... Yeah, and uh, her father had recently died, and he came to uh, help her sit Shiva, which at first she's very resistant to because she had a very bad relationship with her father. Um, but in the end, uh, she sits Shiva, and it's adorable. And yeah, it's All like right, well, that's the most a Jewish new, thing I've A new seen. adjective for uh, <laughs> sitting Shiva, I will admit. But <laughs> yes, no, I mean, I, I think it's actually like kind of realistic in terms of um what a shiva house can often be like um because a lot of times it's you know it's people getting together and just you know sharing their favorite stories about the person you know and like it doesn't always have to be super depressing sometimes it's you know sharing funny anecdotes and like um so i felt like um the shiva in the show was actually realistic in that sense oh that's nice yeah, no, it's it's interesting. We haven't picked out Jewish characters yet, but as as discussed at length, there's not a ton of a ton of <laughs> options. <laughs> Tamara, who's, um, who's your third pick? Simon um, Lewis from the sh- from the Shadowhunter series by Cassandra Clare. He's Jewish. I've spoken about him before. Um, he is a Jewish kid from Brooklyn who gets turned into a vampire and they literally like have to use stars of David's against him instead of a cross. And he can't say Shema and like, he can't say Hashem's name and all this stuff. And anyway, throughout the like later series, he ends up using like his Jewish identity a lot. And I think I've mentioned this also that I found out because of this later part of the book series where Simon's like, well, we can't do that because of the Holocaust, and that's just the genocide. And like, literally, his theory, his like, think his thought process is, this is like the Holocaust. This is like the lead to the Holocaust. We can't do that. We can't be racist. And so it turns out that Cassandra Clare is actually like Persian Jewish. So I didn't know that. Okay, so that's my quick one, Simon. He's really inspiring, and it's, it was really, really, really nice for his like Judaism to be part of his like, let's not kill, let's not allow people to die process. Um, there's that. Okay, so then. Now you guys are trying to interview her. Why have we never done that? I don't know. Probably she's too big. Um, We'll send it. We can like at her. Yeah. If I like tweet at her, maybe she'll see because I'm verified. Yeah. Uh, I doubt it. You know we're Um, we're huge on Jewish social media. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is not. You know, you can cut this from the episode. I'm just saying there was like. Uh, from what I understand from when she was a fanfic writer, some serious, uh, yeah, some serious crap went down, um, oh, how yeah. she, you know, treated other writers and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, there are some people who are still like very, very, uh, wary of her. Um, but I know that like, you know, she's, you know, clearly, you know, established herself and she's a, you know, excellent writer in her own right. Um, but just like I've always had that like cloud hanging over me because I know that I have, I've had I have friends who were like you know involved in the fandom at the time and just like they're like oh god it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, I I know that was rough, but you know even even if we like did a brief interview just focusing on the Jewish element like that might be. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tamar. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, she's like 
hashtag problematic. But I think I think when I've looked into it most recently, it seemed like it was just like kind of what a lot of fanfic writers do, and then some. But like the then some was super problematic. But yeah, I still like her books. Anyway, so <laughs> so my problematic fave episode. Okay, so my real person fave episode right now happening um, is my favorite. K-pop star. Um, I paused there because I was like thinking, like, is he my favorite? Is he my absolute favorite? Um, in K-pop, he is what you would call a bias. Like, you don't say they're your favorite. You say they are, like, bias in the group. Anyway, so his name is... Um, he's known as Etik from the group called Super Junior. His name is actually Park Jung-soo, and it's also written, like, with an L in English because... You know the last name Lee? When you see it in Korean, it's actually pronounced E. So anyway, so a lot of people... I know who's listening to this podcast will know what I'm talking about. But anyway, Etik from Super Junior, he's like great as a singer, as an artist, as a performer, but he's also like um, a variety show talent. Like he's very funny. Like he's always smiling and he's always laughing and he's always trying to make other people laugh. Why is this like inspiring to me? Like, okay, he's a comedian. Um, he is a comedian, but he's also. Uh, the, the like leader, which is essentially the manager of one of K-pop's largest groups, which is, is Super Junior. And at its point, at the highest point, it had 15 members involved in it. Right now, it only has nine active members. As of like a week ago, a ninth came out of the military. But they've like had a lot of issues. They've had like serious major issues. Like they had a crazy big lawsuit where like members left because of like visa issues. They had had members literally have to go like get exiled essentially for really silly reasons like one of them got married and he has essentially been kicked out of the fandom out of the band by the fans not the group never the group like the fans literally bought stock to kick one of the band members out because he got married um yeah another okay another member has constantly had duis and had issues with violence related to his i potential alcoholism what appears to be alcoholism and they keep on like bringing him back after like a few years of he's trying to fix himself and then the same thing happens um it's happened now like twice so anyway so he has this big group under him and he's like essentially the manager and he's always made it really good and they've regularly said like it's him that like he's a good person and he wants this group to succeed and he's the only reason that we succeed which like okay fine it sounds like lip service but they've been they're in their 15th year right now so it's like huh well maybe there is something to it but the real reason he inspires me, aside from the fact that he's clearly, like, a great leader and someone who can, like, bring people together, is that when he was... So in South Korea, you have to serve in the military if you're a guy. Um, it's kind of like Israel, that they're at war with North Korea, so all men have to serve for two years in the military. Uh, if you're a celebrity or if you have some injuries, you don't usually serve in an active military duty, so he is a celebrity and he also had some injuries because, oh, the group has had like multiple major car accidents where people have nearly died. Um, so anyway, he was in one of those and he was very injured and he actually told the medics to like go to the other member who was literally dying on the spot and refused treatment until they looked at the one who they hadn't seen yet. Um, but anyway, so he's really inspiring. I'm really like emotional right now. Like I really have been a fan of him for like years and years and years. Anyway, he was in the military I like saying this so casually and like, you don't know what's about to come. And so he was raised by like, he has a mother and a sister who are in the spotlight and he had a father who he has spoken about on record that was abusive and that like his parents' relationship was terrible and he has his sister. We're in the middle of it. Anyway, he was in the military and his father committed murder 
suicide and killed his <gasps> grandparents and himself. And, oh and he left him with like millions of debt. And in South Korea, debt doesn't get wiped when you die. It goes to your children. So he was in the middle of like his two years away from the spotlight and just like in the military. He wasn't actually out of the spotlight because he was actually in a military propagandistic band. And he was like in a propaganda musical that I may, oh have, paid I may have paid money to see when I was living in Korea. Um but with, like, a bunch of other celebrities that are in it. So it was just, like, very weird propaganda play about, like, Korean War and, like, how we have to still be friends with North Korea. Um, super propaganda. I can't believe I've paid money for that. But, <laughs> but so, like, he, he's, like, had a lot of hardships, like, in his personal life and his career. And, like, the entire time, his whole, the point of his life is that he's an entertainer and he's supposed to be making you smile. And so pretty much he came back from the military. So like his, this, this terrible tragedy in his family like happened and he had to come back straight to work, not because necessarily of his career, but because he had all this debt. So suddenly you started seeing him everywhere. Like he wasn't like not on a TV show. Like he was on like every single South Korean channel, like almost every day for a while, like just jumping around between TV shows. I think based on how active he's been right now, he probably has succeeded in paying off his debt pretty rapidly. Um, because he also just bought an apartment and I assume he wouldn't be able to do that if he didn't have to, if he had to pay debt off. But like pretty much like just whenever I'm like sad about something or like my career is really bad. So the, pretty much the long story short is that he's really inspiring. And that like, sometimes when I think like, Oh, why am I doing this? My work's so hard or like something's wrong with my family. I just think like about how much kind of worse he's had it and how he still is like going out there and smiling. And he like is posting a really cute video with his dog on Instagram or whatever. Just like if he can like wake up at the end of the DJ and keep like smiling and keep doing his job, like, so can I. And yeah, I'm like really emotional right now. Wow. Um, I, I just, I've, I've been following his career since like 2008. So it's been a decade and like since like day one, like just his his like smile caught me. And then over the years, like I learned more about like what had happened to him and the group and his family. And like it just really like yeah, there's some part of it that I know is like okay, like the fact that he's talking about his family on camera. That's so like just for the entertainment, but it's also not. And like you don't go through so much stuff without you know like being a really good person I think so even so hopefully he's not like a terrible piece of crap because I'm gonna be really <laughs> mad like I I actually I just met him um for the first time I did two interviews with his band recently and like they were so nice and like literally I walked out and like I cried on my friend's shoulder and I was just like thank god they're not terrible like it was like, <laughs> thank god like I had just met like my favorite band it was thank god they're actually like not total pieces of shit um so yeah, so that happened, and I told him that like he had inspired me for years, and he was really nice about it. He told me he wanted to be interviewed again by me, which was really really nice. Um, yeah, so I don't usually talk about this because I think it's kind of unprofessional for me to have like a bias in K-pop because like that's my job. But he's really inspired me like beyond like just like K-pop and yeah. Um, first of all, a that's beautiful. B, uh, you win for most dramatic story we've ever told on this podcast. Um, and <laughs> C, um, you have to write a book about this, like, K-pop thing. I don't know if it's going to be fiction. I don't know if it's going to be, like, a, a, a reported book. But I'm telling you, Tamar, you've got to write a book about this. About him? I'm not writing a book about him. He has his own life. About, I 
about K-pop, about like the you know a character inspired by him, or or you know a, a investigation on like the origins. <laughs> I th- I think I think you can be the conduit to really bring K-pop to the West. I mean, you are already. Let's get let's get real. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna shut up about this. I'm gonna tell you to <laughs> tell you to write a book every episode now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, that's really, no, that, that's really beautiful. And I, I, yeah. Wow. Um, so my, uh, my final, um, is, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also is like, you know, just kind of like a ray of sunshine. He's, uh, you know, in, in a very real way. Um, you know, I, I have also actually been following him for quite a long time. I saw in the Heights in college so I've kind of like known about him, like followed him since then, and just to kind of see him like blossom into, you know, not not just obviously an amazing creator, but also somebody who can encapsulate, I think, a lot of what millennials are feeling and experiencing, and you know, definitely using his both his talent and his uh, reach for good in terms of Puerto Rico and you know, uh, other causes that he's, you know, helped out with. Also, hey, my alma mater, why you? <laughs> he definitely helped out with that, too. He was in the fundraising video. Um, but, you know, and and he is, you know, not only is he, you know, famous and acting and in all these movies and writing all these musicals, and um, he still loves Washington Heights, and he still takes the subway. You know, this summer we've been treated to some of his, uh, you know, um, He's been doing some short videos, like singing while he's like been walking through the subway station, and you know he's just a totally normal dude. So like, it's you know it's interesting about Twitter because you feel like you you get a certain closeness and access to like famous people's lives, and there's the element of like they're Instagramming their food and like oh they're writing about how they're tired and that you know that kind of humanizes them. But I feel like Lynn adds that extra level of of, you know, making that not just a fact, but also something that you can take comfort in and also inspirational in terms of like, you know, he's, he's been doing these pep talks, uh, on Twitter, like beautifully written everyday pep talks. And it's just like, first of all, it's not fair that you could just turn these out every single day. It's, I don't understand. Um, God got stuck when he like was waiting on like the, pulling out from the talent bag. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I think he really does. He he works for good, and um, and he is good. And I like Lin Manuel Miranda. And if if he ever wants to come on the podcast, uh, he definitely definitely can. <laughs> right, guys. Well, we'll make an okay. for him not being Jewish yeah. and not being a girl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jewy though. Like he's yeah, he's Jewy. I actually am about to like pre-order that book. I really, really like his tweets and not just to do one more K-pop thing. There's actually a Korean American rapper named Tableau and he wrote a similar, not pep talks. They're actually like really depressing things. Um, some of them, but they're like one page, like maybe six words on each page, um, like inspirational ones, like and musings on like, just like really random like interesting philosophical musings and like I'm gonna put the two together as like a set to give people because like they just really make you like think about life so yeah oh there's that I don't know I really like the little pep talks yeah they're so nice. I'm like they're like perfect for every day it's bonkers yeah 
Yeah, like they're never they're never like, oh, this doesn't apply to today. They always apply to everything. And I'm just like, where does this come from? Why are you so brilliant? Yeah, it's uh, it's not fair as expressed. Anyway, so definitely let us know who you guys find inspiring. Um, you know, either either in pop culture or in fiction or in history. You know that too. That that history also exists. Um, uh, maybe maybe not like Joan of Arc. Like, don't go down that road. Maybe <laughs> a little bit. Um, you can say J.K. Rowling. That's allowed. Yes, I still allow it. <laughs> not everyone does, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> So, if you would like to get in touch with each of us individually, um, SM, where can people find you on the internet, please? Um, people can find me on Facebook. Um, they can follow my public posts. Um, and they can find my fiction on Amazon um, at amazon.com slash author slash SM Rosenberg. Awesome. And tomorrow, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes. It's like my name, Tamar, there's no A, and then Writes because I'm a writer, not like write because I'm a righty, which I also am, but Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. And you can read my writing mostly at Billboard and Forbes.com. Awesome. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ink as Rain, and you can find my writing at Hypable.com. As for us as a group, uh, you can find Nice Jewish Fangirls on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls. You can find, uh, you can email us at uh, Nice Jewish Fangirls at gmail.com. We would love, love, love to hear from you. Uh, you can also please leave us an iTunes review. Even if you just click the five stars, like while you're downloading, just click it. Five stars. That's great. It really, really does help. You don't have to write a review with it. Although that, of course, as well, would be intensely appreciated. Uh, as for Jewish Coffee House. We read them. We read the we, reviews. We super do. Like you can even can even criticize us like we're okay with that well if you criticize us do it in the review but don't do it in the star rating because itunes is really really mean and if you start getting less than five stars they'll like downvote your podcast so like totally chew us out but do it in the review not in the star yeah rating. give us all the stars and then be as mean as you want exactly exactly uh also it's ellul so be nice um but, <laughs> <laughs> that's the yes. lesson right um you can find uh uh jewish coffee house on twitter jewishcoffeehouse.com you can find a lot of awesome jewish uh interest podcasts there a lot of also um nice spiritual anecdotes to to get you in the mood for the holidays so uh i think that's gonna be all for now hopefully we'll be back soon with some exciting news fingers crossed hopefully please so live long and prosper everyone <laughs>